how multicultural ministries is affecting revival in North America. There's been a little bit of racial tension in our society lately, and today we're going to look at the Word of God and declare that should not be so in the body of Christ. Amen. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, that means a lot of people, which no man could number, so many that you could not number them, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. A great multitude of all nations. Amen. It goes on later to say that, verse 14, that these are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, verse 15 says, are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple? And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen. Two things from this passage. Number one, don't fear tribulation. God's going to take care of us one day. Number two, this is a crowd, a multitude of people of all nations, kindreds, and tongues. This is a multicultural multitude. A beautiful gathering of people of every nation, every culture, and every language. Our vision as a church is to manifest the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. When people look at the church, they should see the kingdom of God reflected. And we should mirror this image of cultural diversity, unified around the throne, worshiping our God together. I'm glad that when we come through these doors on Sunday, we can leave society behind and we can just unify our worship as one body, as one people. We're called to be separate from the world. Holiness is becoming more like Jesus in our attitude and our actions, loving everyone as He does. Therefore, Living Waters Fellowship is not a white church. It is not a black church. It is not a Spanish church, a Japanese church, a Filipino church. It's a Jesus church. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, a couple more verses before we pray and we're seated. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Romans 12, 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. And Galatians 3, 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. That, that indicates your social status. doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. There's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's no barriers in the body. In heaven we'll see a multicultural multitude, and it should be reflected 
in the church of God. Amen. On earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for this time together, gathered together as a body of believers, gathered from many different cultures, even represented in this church already. And Lord, we want to resist anything that's going on in the world around us that would cause division, anything that would cause prejudice or malice towards another person based on their culture or their ethnicity. That ought not be so in the body of Christ. Cleanse us by your blood today of all those things that ought not be. Help us to resist the racial tension in our society. That when we come together, we do not look at each other as different. But we look at each other as one in the body of Christ. As one people. As one nation. Washed in the blood. Sanctified in the spirit. Called unto you by your sacrifice. And we give you glory and we give you praise today for the work you're doing in your church. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time before you're seated, just greet someone nearby you. Tell them you're glad they're in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Some people say, glad you got to see me. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. That's all right. If you want to walk across the aisle, you can do that in places besides politics. Talk about walking across the aisle. You can make a trip across the aisle in church. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Over a million people are moving to North America every year. Most of them from third world countries. And for the first time, representatives from every nation are living in two countries. The United States and Canada. We don't need to travel thousands of miles to reach the world. In many cases, we simply need to go next door. Just in our fellowship, the United Pentecostal Church, services in North America each week are represented by at least 60 cultures and 106 different language groups. Consider these statistics about America. More Jews live in America than in Israel. More persons of African descent live in America than any other country except Nigeria. More Samoans live in America than in Samoa. More Hispanics live in America than any country except Mexico or Spain. 20 million are under the age of 30. Within two or three years, more Hispanics will live in America than the total population of Canada. More Cubans live in Miami than anywhere else except Havana. And just in Los Angeles, there are more Armenians living there than any city in the world. It is the second largest Mexican city in the world. It is the second largest Salvadorian city in the world. And it is the second largest Philippine city in the world. 10 million Asians live in the U.S. Chicago is the second largest Polish city in the world. Detroit is the second largest group of Arab people in the U.S. The U.S. has a population of 2.4 million Muslims. There are 1,200 mosques in the U.S. And Islam is soon to be the second largest religion in the entire United States. 
There are 450,000 students from 200 countries that attend our universities. And in the United States, in the 1990s alone, the Asian population grew by 107%. Hispanics by 53%. Native Americans by 38%. While the general population grew only by 6%. America is a multicultural nation. And we have a multicultural commission as the body of Christ. Acts 1.8, a verse we know well, says, Ye shall receive power. Some of you can quote this verse. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, the power is to be a witness unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem represents the ministry of those who are in our own neighborhoods, in our cities, the regions near us, people that are like us in culture. Judea ministry applies to people who are culturally like us, but who live beyond our communities. This is what we're representing here, North American missions, reaching people beyond our communities, but within our same country. Judea ministry, excuse me, I just said that one. Sumerian ministry is the ministry that reaches for people who live around us but are racially or culturally different than we are. And the uttermost parts of the earth is obvious. That's a global mission mindset. So Jesus didn't leave anybody out, did he? Everyone around us is like us. Everyone around us that's different. Everyone that's within our country and everyone that's beyond our country. Who's left? Nobody. That's an all-encompassing gospel, right? And perhaps the most difficult for us to reach are the Sumerians. The Judean ministry and the, the uttermost parts of the earth, we, we don't go ourselves, so we send money. And other, somebody else goes. But Samaria is who we should reach, each of us. And I'm going to read a, a portion of this Book It says, In Jesus' day, Samaria was the region just north of Jerusalem that the Jews intentionally bypassed because those who lived there were culturally, ethnically, and religiously different from the Jews. They bypassed it. They crossed over on the other side of the road. Samaria ministry today requires us to take intentional steps out of our cultural comfort zones. How do you do that? With power from the Holy Ghost, right? With wisdom from God. Samaritans represent those who dress in foreign attire, eat unfamiliar foods, speak with thick accents, or practice Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, or another religion that may be different than our own. Their neighborhoods may not be comfortable to us, but they are places we are called. You can't leapfrog Samaria. And you can't just discount they're different. They won't accept Jesus Christ. They won't accept the gospel. That is not an attitude we are to have. But we are to reach to everyone. Jesus said in John 4, He told the disciples that I must go through Samaria. 
It wasn't because he was called to go there or he had to go there for any other reason than to speak to Samaritans. They couldn't believe that Jesus would talk to Samaritans. They were unclean. They were common people that were people they did not associate with. But Jesus spoke to them and he converted them. He loved them and he reached them. There was a great revival in Samaria. Jesus had to cross at least four barriers to pass through Samaria. Geographic barriers, cultural barriers, gender barriers, because remember he met the woman at the well. And he had to cross through sin barriers. She had five husbands and the one she currently with wasn't her husband. But Jesus crossed every single barrier to witness to a soul. We must cross barriers too. We must reach beyond man-made barriers. Mark 16, 15 says, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. That's our mandate. That's our mission. A couple of, three practical considerations today we want to just quickly mention is that our cultural differences must always be subservient or submitted to the spiritual needs of others. We shouldn't forget to minister to others because they have different needs than our own. We should minister to them anyways. And secondly, Jesus taught that cultural differences must be subservient to spiritual truth. The word of God is the ultimate authority on all things concerning life. So if I have a cultural preference that differs from the Bible, my preference is wrong. The Bible is right. Well, that's just the way I've always been is not an excuse for Jesus. Because he transforms us. He doesn't just tell us the way we ought to be. As we surrender to him, he gives us the power to change. Amen? Let there be no division among us. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read a few verses there. Most of the chapter, in fact, because it's a great example of unity. Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Meekness, long-suffering. Okay, those are words that don't indicate hate or strife or fighting. But we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, what unifies us is not human effort alone. We have to be intentional to surrender to God, but ultimately it's His Spirit that gives peace. Not only among cultures, but among families. If you want peace in your home, you have to submit to God. If everybody in the home is submitted to God, there's peace. We've all felt the different atmosphere, right? (laughs) When I'm being ornery and I'm not submitted to God, I hinder peace. But when I surrender to God in His Spirit, I make peace with others. There is one body... And one spirit, 
You're going to notice a word used a lot here. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. The word one is a word of unity. One is indivisible. We are one in Him. It is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. The same God that is above all, through all, and in us all. And verse 13, skipping down a little bit, says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith. So the Spirit unites us and causes peace. And the faith also unites us. What faith? The faith that was once delivered to the saints. The faith that is laid out in the Word of God. So it's not my opinion of the faith that trumps the Word of God, but the Word of God trumps my opinion. To the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, it's Christ that gives us the example that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Never more was this true than the last several months. <laughs> There's plenty of experts, plenty of pundits with their opinions and their theories and their ideas. But we should not be tossed to and fro by those things. We should be grounded in the word of God. We are to speak the truth in love, verse 15 says, that we may grow up in Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay, every part of the body is important. Every part of the body works together for the good of the rest of the body. And the one who tells everybody what to do is Jesus. If your brain quits communicating with part of your body, it's not a good thing. Right? Something stops working altogether or it works incorrectly. And delays happen the older we get. Sometimes my brain works as fast as it used to when I played basketball 10 years ago. But as I play sometimes, like this morning, I tell my foot to move. And it seems like there's a delay. It just doesn't move like it used to move. Messages from the head are important. We all need to be in tune to what the Spirit is saying. And when we do, we work in harmony. And the body is mobile and it's effective and it's active. It's when we quit taking messages from the brain that we get ourselves in trouble. The brain is not Fox News. The brain is not CNN. The brain is not Facebook. The brain is Christ. Amen? Amen? Our messages must come clearly from Him. If those other sources agree with Him, great. But if they don't, they are wrong. And He 
is right. This I say therefore, verse 17, and testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. So again, there's going to be people around us that are walking blindly. They're doing all manner of things that are contrary to the word of God because they don't understand the word of God. They're not seeking understanding. God would show them if they asked, but they're not seeking it. Don't take your cues from them. We take our cues from him. Who being past feeling, they have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm thankful for this verse because I need to be renewed every single day. I get faulty thinking. I get bad ideas. I, I drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of the media sometimes. And the fear-mongering, oh no, we're all going to die tomorrow. Has anybody here died from the new president-elect? You didn't or... It looks like all your eyes are looking at me. Nobody's died. You wouldn't get that picture from some people. Because there's a lot of just mud slinging going on. On both sides. Slinging mud at each other. And if we're not careful, it gets in our minds. So when we look at someone who's on the other side... We can think something we ought not think. You have not learned this in Christ. You have learned this from corrupt people. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We can be renewed. If we walk in today and we need our mind cleansed, Jesus will do it. And I need it every single day. It's just like Every day you should probably take a shower. It's just good advice. Okay? Whether you think you need it or not, you just pick up mess. Just walking around, right? There's particles in the air that we don't even want to see, we want to know about, we don't want to think about. If there's any germophobic people, I apologize <laughs> for distracting you for a second. But it's the reality. And that's the way it is in the unseen world of the Spirit. And we receive things walking around that need to be cleansed. It doesn't make you a bad person. We all need to be clean. And the Lord will renew us in the spirit of our mind. We put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, there's even a fake holiness. He felt the need to declare true holiness. Because there's a form of holiness that some Christians have that they're too good for everybody else. That's not true holiness. True holiness is me living like Christ, not condemning others, but trying to show them the love of God. It doesn't mean I do everything 
that is wrong just to say it doesn't matter? I am, I am required to try to be like Jesus. That's true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth, what is with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Again, just, I know I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on a theme here today, but it's because I live where you live. Don't believe everything people say. That's why I'm even withholding what might happen with things down the road because I'm not going to just take the media's word for it. Because some people, whether they know it or not, are lying. And we don't need to be like that. Be angry and sin not. Okay, Even if something makes you mad that's going on in the world, don't sin as a result of your anger. You may think, well, that's kind of crazy. You can be mad, but don't... Yeah, how you respond to your anger is what makes it sin or not. You can't help your emotions sometimes. But you can control your attitude and the words that come out. You can bite your tongue. You can go for a walk. You can stand in the cold rain to cool off. Something. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. We're not to live in perpetual anger. Perpetual anger is destructive not only to your spirit, but to your soul, to your body. Neither give place to the devil. He's going to try to rile you up. He's going to try to divide you. He's going to try to destroy. That's his mission. Still kill, destroy. I didn't write that. Jesus said it. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Our words are to minister grace and edification. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So evidently when we do these things, we're grieving the Spirit of God. Whereby, whereby we are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Instead, be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We're going to have misunderstandings at times. We're going to offend each other at times. But we're to be forgiving one to another. Not carrying grudges, hard feelings, but forgiving one another. Paul identified the oneness of believers. Christ is not divided. Neither is his body the church. We are one in Him and by Him. Gentiles are no longer strangers, but the Bible says fellow citizens. No longer afar off, but now close. No longer aliens, but now the sons of the living God. No longer without Christ, but now in Christ. No longer without hope, but now joint heirs. All are one in Him. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, bond nor free, one body, but members in particular.
We are one body. Amen. We can stand today if you don't mind. You can remain seated obviously if you like. But after each sermon we like to take a moment, a couple moments and just ask the Lord to touch our hearts about what we've heard today. Because otherwise we can just go out and get busy and seed gets stolen away. Cares of life. So we're going to pray in just a moment. But I ask today that you'll pray and ask God to heal you. And I'll be praying the same. I prayed it already this morning. But the Lord would heal us from any prejudice towards our fellow man. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost, Romans tells us. Because God said, Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There was no qualification. There was no barrier. There was no one left out. Just whosoever will. Whosoever will. This gospel is for every man, woman, boy, and girl. And again, it doesn't matter if they currently understand Christianity or not. Not every person of other religions is out there to do something bad. They just need to know the real Jesus. They need to be introduced to Him, and you're the one to do it. So we're going to begin to pray today and just ask the Lord to help us as a church, because again, my heart has been, Lord, don't let us get divided. Don't let any of that filth enter our minds. For everyone is created equal in God's sight. Everyone is created equal in God's sight. So Lord, we just pray today.